have your way in our lives every single day. But we say this intentionally now for the next 30 minutes. As we receive the blessing from hearing from our president this morning, as we receive the blessing from hearing from you this morning, Jesus, that is our submission and our obedience and laying it down before you of saying, have your way in our hearts. We collectively say, have your way in this school. Jesus, we say, have your way in our leadership. And so we want to pray over our president. We thank you for the anointing that you've placed on his life and the authority and the leadership that you've given him and the blessing that he is to us as a staff and a student body. And as you speak through him, Lord, uh, I pray a blessing in his life. I pray a blessing in his words that would impact our hearts and pierce our hearts. And as you move, Holy Spirit, again, we, we open ourselves to you and say, have your way. Jesus, have your way in this moment right now. We pray this in your name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may take a seat. Let's give it up for our band who serves so diligently. And uh, Dr. Dave, we love you we so much. Yeah, and we appreciate your leadership, your insight, and your passion. So, Hey, appreciate that. Is this on? Perfect. Wow. Hey, it's great to uh, see you in chapel on a beautiful, sunny January day, right? Um, For those of you that have just joined us on the second leg of our 2018-2019 flight, welcome. So glad you've joined our campus community. And we're just really trusting God for another amazing semester. He is good, isn't he? So um, I'm looking with you at 1 John chapter 1. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles this morning, 1 John chapter 1, we're starting to read at verse 5. Your Bibles or your telephones of smartness or whatever you have before you, just pull that out and turn to 1 John. Um, and, and just to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, remember what Riley talked about on a Thursday when he, when he was talking about uh, First John and, and some of the background material and the fact that there were some false teachers and John had to address some issues surrounding false teachers who denied that Jesus came in the flesh and, and, and separated themselves from the people of God. Uh, they were really preaching another gospel. They were denying the incarnation of our Lord. Uh, they were advocating another level of revelation, another level of spiritual insight that was different than the revelation in Jesus. They were influenced by the philosophies of educated Greece that wanted to separate the body from the spirit, um, sort of the philosophy of Plato. But later in a century or so following 1 John, it's going to develop into something we, we recognize as full-blown Gnosticism that really, in a word, if I can quickly describe it, basically wanted to say what you had to do in your spiritual quest is to somehow come into touch with the, the sort of the, the seed of spiritual life within you and to forget about your body because body was evil, but to somehow be liberated into the great spiritual world and have that spark of divinity released within you. 
nitwits, all of them. But uh, so John is beginning this paragraph making a statement about God, and I love it. I love the fact that so often in our apologetic and, in, and as we deal with issues in our lives, we want to start with the issue, don't we? We want to hone our spiritual knives on the issue, and we want to go in for the attack. But John here begins with God. He begins with the nature of God, who God is, because God trumps everything else. And he's going to tell us that God is light. God's the source of revelation. He's the final authority of truth. He's the one who, who calls us to live according to his standards, who gives us the power to live with moral purpose in our lives. As you move along through the semester, there's going to be some dark moments, perhaps. There's going to be some challenges, perhaps, but maybe not. Uh, and you'll want to s- start your life and, and you're addressing those issues, not with where you are, but who God is. God is light. And John says this, that in him there is no darkness, none whatsoever. So the root of how we're to live and how we're to be sustained is the character of God. And we're going to discover in this passage that as John walks us through some verses, that God is completely trustworthy. There isn't even a hint of darkness in him. For those Greek scholars that are among us today, as you study this in your Greek New Testaments, you'll see some interesting things uh, in 1 John. One, I'm going to be making a contrast between, uh, or, or not a contrast, I'm going to be making a point of highlighting the present continuous, which means ongoing behavior. Uh, those of you that have got your Greek Bibles open will see that. And, and, and when you look at the word that talks about there's no darkness in God, it's a, it's a combination of Greek terms which, which highlights the fact that, that not even a little bit, none whatsoever. And so as we, we begin reflecting this semester and reflecting here in John chapter 1, verse 5, on the character of God, we rest confidently that in Him there is no darkness whatsoever. When we encounter dark moments, remember my saying uh, that, that I'm, I often use frequently because it so sustains me, never forget in the darkness, what God has shown you in the light. God is perfect light. Let's hear what he says, and John says to us in 5 through 10. 1 John, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Then John says this, if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar. And the truth isn't in us. So as we begin our study of John, and as we look particularly at this passage, and even as we reflect on what this says to us as we begin a new semester here at the college, um, there are three little pieces that I want to leave you with. Um, Because every good preacher preaches in threes. There's a trinity. I rest my case. The two expository preaching profs are here, so I have to do threes. No, just kidding. Three things I want to leave with you under the rubric, because God is light. 
Because God is light, the first thing John reminds us of is that our lifestyle has to match our profession of faith. Our lifestyle has to match our profession. In short, you can't separate your belief from your behavior like John's opponents were trying to do. It doesn't matter how we live. We can live immorally. It doesn't matter what we do with our bodies because we know the secrets about God. John says, hogwash. Your beliefs have to line up. Your lifestyle has to line up with your profession of faith. One of the greatest theologians of all times wrote extensively in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. He's compiled a 14-volume series called Church Dogmatics. And in that 14 volumes, there's some pretty profound things about God. But you know what's really sad about this theologian? The whole time he was writing those 14 volumes to wow the world, he was having an affair with his secretary in his own home where his wife lived with his children. How can that be, you ask? Well, John would say to him, is if you claim to have fellowship with me, intimate relationship and commitment, we've cheapened fellowship in our culture. Fellowship is tea and toast. No, it isn't. Fellowship is intimacy of relationship. When we talk about knowing God and God knowing us, we think we want more than a superficial walk with God, don't we? We don't want a God who says, pats us on the head and says, oh, aren't you pretty today? We want a God who knows us and who, who lets us know him. And so that's what fellowship means. Then our lifestyle's got to match up to our profession. John says this, and this is for you Greek scholars. We shouldn't continue to walk in darkness our lifestyle before we came to Christ. So John says, if you profess faith, you're not going to continue to walk in darkness. Now, it's just not just your outward actions. I believe it's also our inner mindsets. Because sometimes we perfect the art of walking well while inside we're still self-centered and arrogant and pride-filled narcissists. To that, John says, yeah, you got to continue to walk in the light and not continue in darkness. Paul reminds us of this. He details a list of sins, and then he says to his hearers in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, and such were some of you. But then he goes on to say, but you're better than that now. Because you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And as a result of that, uh, your lifestyle has to match that profession. And you're going, well, okay, I'll give you that. And, you know, it's really hard to find people who live fragrantly immoral lives while they profess to be a Christian. Um, There's still a variation on that theme today. And I'll tell you what it is. I know God loves me. And as grace covers my sins, it's so perfect. I'm not going to worry about how I live. Because God's grace is just going to cover it. He's going to come up to me and he's going to pat me on the head and say, there, there. Holy mackerel, that's like a three-wood lie up there. (laughs) He's going to say, there, there. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what I do because God's grace covers it all. God's love covers it all. That's not agape love. That's, and you've heard me say this before. That's sloppy agape. 
And it's not grace, it's disgrace. To think that I can live how I like and presume upon the grace of God. John says it really plainly. We lie and we don't practice the truth. And in fact, we aren't living in the light at all. But we're living in darkness. Because light dispels darkness. I love what John says when he says we lie. He uses something called the middle voice. And what that, uh, what that means, there are, there are three sort of voices in Greek, not deep voice, middle voice, and high voice like the three bears, but, but an active voice, which means you do the action. A passive voice, which means the action is done to you. Um, and then there's something called the middle voice, which in many cases is where you do the thing that's described to yourself. John's word for lie is in the middle voice. So you lie to yourself. You practice the worst kind of self-deception when you think that you love Jesus, but you don't live that way. Sometimes you lie so long you begin to believe it for yourself. So John calls us in this passage. And, and I, I think we're all living in this world. I'm confident we're all living in this world that, that for all that's in us, our lifestyle has to match our profession. And then John says this, as we work along to verse 6. The act of making our lifestyle match our profession takes a whole lot of work. That's where the rubber hits the road. We have to put out effort in our relationship with Christ. We have to choose to follow the light We have to cultivate the habit of walking in the light because we can give mental assent to our truth. We can teach it. We can preach it. We can even develop uh, an apologetic for it. We can criticize others who don't do it. But sooner or later, we have to gain the habit of walking in the light. Annie Lynn, that's a beautiful guitar. That's a tailor, isn't it? Was that a gift to you? Annie Lynn, thank you for making that a gift because that fits my illustration perfectly. I was a little nervous if it wasn't a gift, how I was going to work this out. Let's pretend that guitar is the equivalent of Annie Lynn's salvation. Somebody gave it to her. And she says, there you go. I have this beautiful Taylor guitar. I have this beautiful salvation. You say, well, are you learning to play it? What would we do if she said to us, I don't want to learn to play it. That'll destroy the impact of how wonderful a gift it was. Ding-a-ling, hear them ring. Soon it will be Christmas Day. Really? But yet we say that about salvation. We say, I'm gloriously saved. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. Yes, you just got the free guitar. Hallelujah. Now take some lessons. Learn to play it. In the same way, John is saying, cultivate habits of godliness. A lot of you all, you all like going to the gym over yonder. You spend a lot of time working out, which is good. Because I've seen the calorie intake that the cafeteria provides for you. It's great food, but it's not designed for a sedentary lifestyle, is it? So you've got to keep active. In the same way... We've got to keep active, and we have to grow in our Christian life. We have to put wheels in our faith. How do we do that? Well, first, that 
is like my analogy with the guitar. We recognize it takes effort. Salvation's a gift, and we don't get it because we do good works. But as a result of the gift, we're going to use that gift. We're going to grow in that reality. We're going to grow in that experience. We're going to grow to be like Jesus. I like what G.K. Chesterton once said about the Christian life. He said this, The Christian ideal, for the most part, hasn't been tried and found wanting or found deficient. Chesterton said this, The Christian life has been found difficult, and it's been left untried. Paul, John says, no, you got to live like Jesus in the light. How do you do that? How do we live in the light? How do we walk in the light? What does that look like? Let's pretend I'm not preaching now. Let's pretend I'm, I'm your non-Christian friend who doesn't know the first blessed thing about Jesus. How do I walk in the light? Somebody tell me. Anybody tell me. What is walking in the light looking like? Cody, I know. Get the videos, right? No, no. What does walking in the light look like? Anybody? Obedience. What else? Surrender. Compassion. Respect. What else? Love one another. Yeah, just think of something that bothers you about your roommate and shout it out. Just kidding. (laughs) You're on the right track. You absolutely are. Can I summarize how you're thinking? Because you're really afraid to tell me how you're thinking. First thing, you want to honor God with your entire life. Body, soul, spirit, trustworthy, transparent. Those are all honoring God pieces. You want to live in close proximity to the cross. What do I mean by that? Put one around your neck. No. The cross is all about forgiveness, and our response to forgiveness is repentance. Never live very far from the cross. And then as Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says, then you need to look out for the needs of others. Love God, love your neighbor. That's what walking in the light simply is. And John says the real outcome when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we continue to walk in the light, is that we have fellowship with each other. And again, this isn't about tea and cookies. This is about real, genuine community. Quality relationships without guile, without hypocrisy. Similar to our walk with God. We can be a wonderful, caring community. And many of you are going to build friendships and relationships here at Summit. They're going to last your whole life. You've probably heard me say before, numbers of members who serve on our team have been my personal friends for a lot of years. They know me really well. They know when to avoid me. They know when to challenge me. They know when to rebuke me. All of those pieces, because they're my friends. You'll have the same thing. Because in the digital world that we live in, people crave more than anything else intimacy and fellowship and relationship. And it's found as we walk in the light. God's love for us is linked to our love for others. I just love, pe- love God and love Jesus and want to preach, but I hate people. Wrong. You're doofus. That's a Greek word, meaning uh, lacking the barest level of common sense. <laughs> if you're going to love God, you're going to love other people because walking in the light, drawing us closer to Jesus, draws us close to people who love Jesus. But walking in the light also does this. It cleanses us from sin. There's nothing so wrong. No sin so problematic that the blood of Jesus can't cover our sin. He brings us freedom from the guilt of sin. Freedom from the weight of sin upon our conscience as we walk in the light. If fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. So, 
Where have I gone so far? Our lifestyle has to match our profession. It takes a whole lot of work for our lifestyle to match our profession. I'm not done yet, nor are you. We need to keep striving to honor Christ and how we live. And then this passage, in this passage, John reminds me that I have a continual need for dependence on him. Have you noticed as I read this passage that there's some if we say uh, sort of sentences here? Well, verse 6 has another if we say sentence. Or I'm sorry, verse 7. Verse 8. Verse 8 has another if we say sentence. And here's what John says. If we say we have no sin, that is as a believer, we say we never sin. We lead ourselves astray. What John is doing here is he's countering the, the arrogance of false teachers who viewed themselves as so spiritually superior that they didn't need to recognize or confess sin. They're like the guy who buys a month's worth of groceries and before he brings it into his house, prays for it in the trunk of his car and then says, we never have to return thanks for food because we prayed for it once. It's sort of attitude about groceries we carry into, John says, we can carry into sin. You say, well, once again, I, I, I don't need to, to continue to confess sins because I'm, I'm, you know, I've been redeemed by Jesus. And yes, we have. I've been proclaimed a saint. Yes, I have. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm righteous. His righteousness covers me. But you know what? While we all still live in college dorms, we sin. And John says that to think otherwise is the height of self-deception and pride. It has arrogance and self-sufficiency at its root. And, and the key is not to try and be perfect or look perfect by denying who we are. The key is to own our stuff and just deny our sin, or deny, um, confess our sins, deny the need for self-sufficiency. John says he will forgive us. I love the word for forgive because it means to lift up and carry away. John, John says Jesus will take the garbage out in your life on a regular basis if you just confess your sin. And that forgiveness is at once two things. It's faithful. What that means is it's not, it's not capricious. It's dependable. It's based on God's gracious character, not his mood of the day. And it's just because God deals justly and honestly with our sin. The penalty's been paid. He applies the blood of Christ to our lives and frees us from the weight and the eternal consequence of sin. Wow. Wow. We've got to live close to Jesus. If John were living today, he'd say this, in light of this, 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 these couple of verses. He'd say you've got to own your stuff and you've got to recognize Jesus is enough. You don't have to develop an apologetic for how you are. You don't have to uh, do anything less, anything more, than just confess and, and wallow and bask in the wonderful grace and forgiveness of God. So John 1, 5 to 10, reminds me of a couple of things, and it really challenges me as I walk with God. I've been a Christian since I've been 14, so that's like, can't even do the math, 46 years. You can do the math now. To recognize that my lifestyle has to match my profession. I've got to live like I say I believe. And then I've got I've to 
I, you know, I've got to put the jets to being committed to how I want to live. It takes commitment and effort to continue to walk in the light. We can encourage each other that way. Let's continue to walk in the light. And for those who think, I don't need that stuff, the verse reminds us all that we are continually in need of his strength and his forgiveness on a daily basis as we journey together to be more like Jesus. Jesus is enough. Own your stuff. Why don't you stand? Lord, thank you for the wonderful message of John to our hearts. Lord, help us to be men and women who strive to walk in the light, who strive to emulate your love and your grace. Make us into a community that truly fellowships with one another, not just on a superficial basis, but, uh, but Lord, our hearts are linked to one another because they're linked to you. So God, as we leave this place, continue to remind us to walk in the light, as he is in the light. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, lunchtime. See you.